It's good to be here among you this morning. Appreciate all that are here. We know it's a rainy Lord's Day, and uh, it's so good to be able to be here and to, to worship our God together on this first day of the week. Thank you all for, for being here. Psalm 139, verse 13, beginning, says, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. God is the creator of all things, including us. In this psalm, David marvels at his own body, how it was wonderfully made. And God being our creator, it gives us a unique power and, and authority over us. This is expressed many different ways throughout Scripture, the way God expects things of his children, him being father and children, master and slave, those relationships. Another way that is expressed is using this analogy of the potter and the clay. We see it used quite a bit in Scripture, actually. In Isaiah 64, verse 8, it says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are potter, and all of us are the work of your hand. Our scripture reading this morning came from Jeremiah 18, and it demonstrates the power that God has. He has the power over Israel and all the other nations to destroy them, and to remake them, like the potter sitting at his wheel. Interesting there what takes place where God commands Jeremiah to go to the potter's house, and he goes there, and he's working, and has something that he doesn't like, so he destroys it and starts over. God uses that to show Jeremiah and the, the children of Israel that this is what he's going to do with us, with them, shall I say with the children of Israel. He has the power to tear down nations and to remake them. And he has that power because he's the potter. And he has that power over the vessel that he's creating. This relationship of creator and created brings with it certain truths, certain aspects that go along with this relationship. So in this lesson this morning, I'd like for us to look at some of those to consider some of those truths that exist with the potter and the clay. So let's first consider this truth. God is not to be considered equal with the clay. Look in Isaiah 29. Open your Bibles there to Isaiah chapter 29. God is not to be considered equal with the clay. The potter is not to be considered equal with the clay. Here in Isaiah 29, beginning of verse 15, it says, Woe to those who deeply hide their plans from the Lord and whose deeds are done in a dark place. And they say, Who sees us or who knows us? You turn things around. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? 
that what has made should say to its maker, he did not make me, or what is formed, say to him who formed it, he has no understanding. Think about for a moment, we'll use another analogy. The analogy of a carpenter. I think we probably can relate to a carpenter a little bit more than we can a potter. Certainly we understand that a carpenter builds things, builds things out of wood. A lot of times he builds houses. When a carpenter builds that house, it's a very complex thing. Walls and studs and roofs and all those things that are associated with a house. When he finishes, don't you think he has a pretty good understanding of that house? Don't you think he knows every nail that was driven, every board that was placed, every rafter that was put on top of the wall? He has a good understanding of what he's made. And so does the potter over the clay. He understands that. Do you also think that the lumber that the, the builder uses to build that house, you think that lumber is, is, is smart and as industrious and powerful as the carpenter? Of course not. Of course not. The lumber is just the medium in which he used to make that structure. In Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, a familiar passage to us, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We know this passage well. We use it often. That God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are not like our thoughts. So when we bring this back to the analogy of the, of the carpenter and the potter, those are the ones that have the power. Those are the ones that are displaying their creativity and building and making these things. So the thing that's been made is not equal with its maker. Something we surely understand. In this relationship of the potter and the clay, we as the clay should not think ourselves equal to the potter. This means that we must submit to his authority. Simple, yet powerful. This means that we do nothing of our own devising when it comes to serving him. He has made us in such a way and told us what to do. So we shouldn't question him. And this is how people get into trouble leading themselves and others astray. When simply understanding that we are the clay and is the potter that, de that decides what we do. Simple, but powerful. He has the complete understanding of what he has made, just as the carpenter has the understanding of the houses that he has built. He knows each stick in that house, each board that's in place. And we should never consider ourselves as equal to our God, as equal to our Creator. His ways are higher than our ways, and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. The next truth we can consider in this analogy of the, the potter and the clay is that we are not to question why we are made. Turn over to Isaiah 45, a few chapters over there, Isaiah 45. 
beginning of verse 5 of Isaiah 45, it says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I will gird you, though you have not known me. He's speaking to Cyrus here. That men may know from the rising and the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Drip down, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds pour down righteousness. Let the earth open up and salvation bear fruit, and righteousness spring up with it. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker, an earthenware vessel among the vessels of earth. Will the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? Or the thing you are making say, he has no hands. Woe to him who says to the father, what are you begetting? Or to the woman, to whom are you giving birth? Despite what the world might say, we are created for a purpose. Over the years, scholars and philosophers and poets and scientists, politicians, they've all questioned why it is that we're here. Why are we here? So they search their books and theories and on and on, trying to understand why we are here. And it's a big question. A lot of people ask that question of themselves. But know we, knowing why we are here is easy. We are made to fulfill God's purpose. Turn with me over to the New Testament, to the book of Ephesians. Scholars and scientists and learned men seek to know that big question, why are we here? And like I said, we are here, and we are made to fulfill God's purpose. In Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who, uh, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening the message, the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who has given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. God created us in his image. At the end of the sixth day, we read there in Genesis, the account of the creation. The end of the sixth day, God saw, he looked upon all that he created. Remember what he said? He said it was very good. Man ran afoul of this good creation when he sinned. And this set in motion the eternal plan of God, which would be to redeem man back from his sins. So now we serve him for this purpose, to be, rede to be redeemed back to him. Paul writing here in Ephesians, it says, according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who are the first hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. That's our purpose, 
to bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. The manner in which we have been redeemed back to God is God's eternal purpose for, for mankind. To send his son to die for sins so that we might have a chance to stand before our creator and to approach that throne boldly and come to know our creator. The last truth we'll look at from this potter and clay relationship is that we are not to question how we are made. We just talked about not questioning why we are made. We're also not to question how we are made. Look in Romans chapter 9. <clears throat> Another familiar passage to us. Romans 9, verses 19 and 20. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this, will he? As we mentioned, God created us in his own image. That's how we are made. Simple and powerful. He is the creator. And so he gets to create however he desires. The painter. The painter gets to decide how his painting will be. Where his happy little trees will be. Where the sky in his painting will be in the water. Shapes, colors, and lines. All these things the painter uses. He decides how he's going to put all that together. The painter is the creator of that painting. So he decides how it will look. The carpenter. He decides how he will build the house. How he will frame the walls. How he will sheathe the outside. How he will put the rafters on. Sheathe the roof. The roof. We can be rest assured that God has made us in such a way that we can fulfill the purpose that he made us for. In Hebrews 13, verse 20 and 21, it says, Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We talk about how he has made us. Let's don't forget that he's made us in a certain way that we can fulfill his purpose. In Ephesians 4, Paul speaks of the structure of the church, how God has set up the body to function in a certain way, and that there will be certain roles that each of us fulfill. And why? It says in verse 12 there of Ephesians 4, For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. So in this relationship of creator and created, he's created us in such a way that we will carry out his will. That we will carry out his eternal purpose. We must believe that God is our creator. And must trust that we are made according to his own image. And we are made 
to do his good will. Let's conclude by considering something else about this clay. Let's consider what the clay is molded into. Most often, the examples that we've read, and we've made mention of it already, this clay that we've been talking about is made into some kind of vessel. And we understand what a vessel is. A vessel is a, is a container. It's used to store or to, or to carry something in, usually food or drink. And these vessels serve a purpose. Its maker, the potter, made these vessels to be used to fulfill a mission. Now we understand that lots of pottery is just made to stick on a shelf. But in these days, we understand these things were being made for use. Still are today in parts of the world. The vessel serves a purpose. It's not just the potter making these things for, for no reason. He takes the clay and molds it into a vessel to serve a purpose. Paul understood this about his and the other apostles, the other apostles' ministry. He says there in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. He understood his ministry and that of the other apostles to spread the good news of the gospel. That was what was entrusted to the earthen vessels. That's what Paul was made for. That's what the apostles were made for. If you're there still in Romans 9, look at verse 21. Or does not the potter have the right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? Again, the power that the creator has, the authority that the creator has, the authority and power of the potter to make these things to serve as he pleases. These vessels that we're talking about, of course, are men and women. They're us. As vessels, there's a responsibility to keep ourselves useful. We've been made to be useful. So we need to keep ourselves that way. And that means keeping ourselves pure and clean. If we allow ourselves to become dirty, unclean, why would God want to put something in us as precious as his eternal plan? 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 4 says that each one of you know how to possess your own vessel in sanctification and honor. These vessels that we have are precious. And they need to be kept clean. As Christians, now that we have been molded into something useful by our maker, by the potter, let's make sure that we remain that way. Let's make sure that we remain useful by keeping ourselves clean. Look in 2 Timothy with me. 2 Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 20, it says, Now in a large house there are, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, 
If a man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Only the vessels that remain clean will be used by the master for his will. So the question comes down to us then, are we possessing our own vessel in honor? Are we remaining useful to the master? Are we remaining useful to the purpose for which we were created? If not, we need to think long and hard about what it is that we're doing. Think long and hard about our service, our life in this world as Christians. If you're not a child of God, you haven't been entrusted with that. Haven't been entrusted with his will, but you can be, simply by rendering obedience to the gospel through the waters of baptism. If you're a child of God and you have stumbled, if you are not keeping your own vessel as you should, and you need the prayers of this congregation, or if you're not a child of God and you'd like to be molded by the Master, we can help you with that as well. Make your request known by coming forward as we stand to sing to encourage you.